You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, broadcast live to air on Edge Radio 99.3 FM and proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dice Men Cometh! Well, here we are on a Thursday evening again at Edge Radio 99.3 FM and you are listening to The Dice Men Cometh. We're here to talk about board games, card games, all sorts of tabletop games, maybe the occasional role-playing game and all sorts of nerd culture even. My name is Mark and I'm here with, well, I won't call them my friends, but two guys I know, Garth and Leon. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, hello. How are we all tonight? Hello, hello. How are we all tonight? There we go. We've got an echo in the room. And look, firstly... It's episode 335 on the 21st of July, 2022. Welcome, everyone. And I just want to say, by way of an introduction, stay safe, everyone, because, look, not long ago we were talking about coming back from a trip away where all three of us caught COVID. Wasn't fun. Until this week, really, I've been continuing to cough even though I was well past COVID. And I think I'm over my long COVID cough now. We'll see how I go. But... We hear that it's coming back with a vengeance. Ready for COVID-2? Return of COVID? Electric boogaloo? (laughs) Electric COVID-loo? Yes. Yeah. Um, Some people anyway, yeah. That's right. Anyway, look, stay safe, everyone. And the good news is, if you're stuck inside, we know a hobby that you can do, sometimes by yourself. It's not something we like to do. But with other people... There's ways you can do it electronically as well. But board games is a great thing to keep you safe. Oh, inside. board games. He was talking about board games, Garth. I thought he was talking about, you know, the other thing that... Anyway, continue. Yeah. Right. So so, so seeing, as, seeing as you just did a very serious introduction mm. about, you know, COVID and staying safe and yes. you know, all that, that stuff that, you know, we should be doing. We should be sanitising, keeping clean. I thought I'd do some research. Oh, episode three hundred and thirty-five. Mm. Do you want to know what the three hundred and thirty-fifth best ranked board game of all time is? Oh yeah. Ooh. Without looking at the screen that you can all see, <laughs> I'm not looking at it. It's probably something that we do know because anything in the top five hundred is probably something yeah. we do know. It's probably I can something... guarantee you that it is something that I know. It's probably yeah. something from the last. Is it something from the last five or six years? No. Have we played Ooh. it? I have not, but I believe, Mark, you may have. You have oh, played actually, it. No, I have played it. Well, well I can't I, see the screen, so I genuinely I, don't. Well, know I just it. looked and now I realise, Garth, you and I have played this. Okay. Yes. One very long session for about 12 hours, I believe. Ah. Yes. So the game in question is everyone's favourite, Here I Stand. Oh, I remember. Where you are playing rival European royal houses, or the Pope. Potentially, or Martin Luther, or Martin Luther, the the Protestants, uh, going through from the the wars of the Reformation, wars of the Reformation. In in you know, he's nailing his proclamation to the front of the church. Twelve hours later, you see whether it all paid out. <laughs> well, right. that sounds riveting. Are the things we're going to talk about tonight, Garth, any more exciting than that? Well, maybe <laughs> if you like running a hotel. I mean, that's an interesting idea. My wife used to do it for many years. There you go. That could find some interest for you because we're going to talk about running not only just a bog-standard hotel, Mm -hmm. not only a bog-standard hotel in one of the most livable countries of the world, Mm. but a grand Austria hotel. And then we will talk about something a little bit lighter, World War Two. <laughs> mm, my wife had no part in that. No, no. Well, that's, that's although her family live here because of it, so that's kind of a there you go positive thing. 
No, I well, if it know. wasn't for World War Two, you may have never met her. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, so I, we're I was always <laughs> look on the bright side of World War Two. Yeah. We get some good board games out of it. We do. Well, we sure do. Yeah. So uh, we are talking about, thankfully, condensing World War Two down to a, a more palatable 20 minutes mm. instead of the 39 to 45 period of time that, that the full experience takes up. So, look, we are talking Blitzkrieg, a little two-player game from Paolo Mori. So Mark will then talk about some small-town awards. Yeah, some local probably... Germany awards or something that they <laughs> yeah. gave it away. I don't know why we're speaking about it, but we are. Not to do with World War II, though, in Germany. No, 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 no. Well, we do not mention it. Uh, so, yeah, we will talk about the recent announcement of the Spiel and Kenner Spiel Award winners. But we better get ourselves to a song. We are the Dice Men Cometh. It is Edge Radio 99.3 FM. And we'll be back now after this I one. will tell you what I've done for you. Hello everyone, it's Mark here, just joining you in a break in the action to let you know how you can get more Dice Men Cometh. What? There's more? Absolutely there is. You may have heard rumours of our secret episodes. Well now it's not a secret. And I want to tell you how you get access to them. All you have to do is join us on Patreon. And not only will you be able to access these amazing secret episodes, which our current Patreons have been raving about, 90 to 120 minutes of fun and frivolity, all sorts of interactions with Patreon listeners, and also some red-hot top 10s, it's a much more relaxed, chatty style, from the normal podcast and everyone who has been listening has really been enjoying them not only that you get a pair of exclusive dice when you join up you'll automatically be entered into a quarterly friends only board game giveaway and as i said you can ask questions and interact with us as part of the secret episodes and finally you get to earn the title of official friend of the dice men just by supporting us we appreciate the support so much of everyone that already does, and we love producing these extra episodes for you. I'm sure you would love it if you aren't already listening. So please consider checking out patreon.com forward slash cometh and seeing if you think it's a value for you. Anyway, back to the show. Well, there you go. That was Evanescence with Going Under. You are with the Dice Men Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Now, speaking of going under... Yeah, hopefully that's not what my hell, hotel's going to do. Exactly right. It did, though, didn't it? <laughs> so, Leon, yes. can you educate Mark yep. on how to run a successful Grand Austria Hotel. I certainly can. So the game itself came out in 2015. So basically, it's ancient in board gaming years. Uh, it was co-designed by Virginio Gili, who had a hand in Lorenzo, Coimbra, and Gollum. What? And Simone Luciana, 
uh, who also had a hand in Zulkin, Barrage, and Marco Polo 1 and 2. Wow. And it was published by Lookout Games, who had a hand in Agricola, Caverna, and La Havre. So, in terms of Eurogame royalty, mm. I reckon these two designers and this developer, they know a thing or two. Quite some pedigree. Those yeah. games are all games that I've either played and loved or would happily own mm. or all of those things. Mm. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, that's right. Coimbra. We did not like Coimbra. Yeah. We liked bits, most of Coimbra. Yeah. There I... was just maybe a couple of bits. Oh, are you, are you playing good cop this episode? I forgot about this conversation. People yeah. don't want us all to say the same thing. So oh, I'll be right. devil's advocate, yeah. which is the reverse of devil's advocate for Coimbra and say, <laughs> it was okay. Because I'm pretty sure you disliked it more I'm than really I did. <laughs> Anywho. Go back and listen. So Grand Austrian Hotel, uh, which is not that other game, uh, it is a game between two to four people. According to BGG, best with two or three. We couldn't tell you. I've played it three times or with four people every time because I'm just that popular. Uh, it apparently takes between one and two hours. <laughs> now, this isn't one of those ones where I go, oh, come on, it's four. Four hours minimum. I reckon between two and three hours. A teaching game's two and three hours. Yeah. A game when everyone knows it, you're still looking at f- for uh, two hours. If you're getting between an hour and an hour and a half in this, I'd be mightily impressed. You'd have to have people that don't make decisions haphazardly like... Yeah. Oh no, I would, I would say that you just you make quick decisions, not right decisions. Yeah. Yeah. We should actually try that one time. Um, speed, 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 Grand speed Austria Hotel. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should start with Speed Arc Nova. See if we can bang it out in 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's never going to happen. So, anyway, in the thick of the Viennese modern age, exquisite cafes are competing for customers, inspiring yeah. artists, important politicians, and tourists from the higher classes from all around the world are populating Vienna and in a need for a room for the evening. This is your opportunity to turn your little cafe into a world-famous hotel. You are to hire staff and fulfil the wishes of your guests and gain your emperor's favour. Only then will your cafe become the Grand Austria Hotel. Woohoo! Yeah, I thought it was pretty sweet. Piano flourish. Yes. Sadly, still not the Grand Budapest Hotel, one of the best films in the last decade, but Grand Austria Hotel it is indeed. And like all good Euro games, this game starts exactly the same as every Euro game I've ever played ever when you roll 14 dice. <laughs> because why not, Garth? Well, that is every Euro gamer's dream. Yeah. You have <laughs> a bit of luck. The first They're mad for luck, aren't they? <laughs> mad for it. But it might be one of the reasons why, you know, spoilers, as I do, I think, every time I review a game or talk about it, that I liked this a bit because it has not necessarily a bit of luck, but a bit of a bit of chaos in there just yeah. to make it a bit more fun. So, on your turn, what you can do in this game is you can invite a guest from the main board uh, to your cafe. Uh, you pay a bit more money for newer guests that come into the town, people that have been standing around for a little bit longer. Uh, you can take them a bit quicker. And they all have different demands. They all want different things. And by doing so, they will give you these things called victory points. I don't know if you've heard of them, but it's a thing that a lot of games are after these days. Uh, and they also give you various other rewards that can go towards making your hotel the cream of the crop. So these 14 dice, you don't just roll them for the fun of it. No, 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 no. What you will do once you roll them is then the number or the pip that is on the die, you will then put it in one of those sections. So all the ones you put in the one section, the twos and the twos, and so on and so forth. And the amount of die in each of those sections represents how powerful any of those six actions you can do. So on your turn, after you've decided to take a guest 
onto your tableau, onto your cafe where you have three spaces for your guests that you'll be trying to um, uh, provide resources for to get into the rooms of your hotel. It's not just resources. No. It's strudel. Yeah. It's cake. It's yeah. coffee. And wine. And wine. And yes. now, Garth, pop quiz. Mm. What is the cake that Vienna is most famous for? It's a pavlova, isn't it? Bloody pav. They invented the pav. Surely. No, that's Australia. That's right. It's not New Zealand. Not New Zealand. Australia. Uh, let's say... Have you been to Vienna? I have not, actually. Ah. I have not even been to Austria. Well, I... I mean, it's a Viennetta, surely. <laughs> the clue's in the name. No. The Viennetta, that classic Australian hoity-toity... Whatever it is, so, I'll say it's the verse. So I am... <laughs> yeah. Very good. So it looks like I'm the only one here that's actually been to Vienna. No, we scooted around. And it, had yeah. a sucker tort in the hotel Sucker, which is... Famous, very famous cake in Austria. I don't think that story had anything to do with cake until that last bit. <laughs> and, and, and hang on, I've got one more point before you go on, Leon. Yes, I think more about your soccer. No, no, no. We're not going to talk about my soccer anymore. Okay. I think the listeners would be very, very, very upset at me, yeah. given we are the dice men yep. and not the die men, that die is singular and dice is plural. Okay. And you talked about where you're going to place the the 14 die. It's 14 dice. Oh, okay. So I don't want to be the die men. Okay, cool. Okay, definitely okay. not. Okay. Definitely not. So after you've placed the 14 die, what Can you're going to do then on your... No, he's the editor, sadly. So if I keep saying it, he... You won't be asked after a couple of them. So what you can do then is one of six actions. The first action is for each die that's on the action space <laughs> you can take one strudel or one cake but you cannot take more cake than strudel because oh. you see cake is a bit more hoity-toity than it strudel is. and the second action is very similar except in this case it is wine and coffee mm. but you have to take more wine than you do coffee because for some reason coffee is more expensive than wine in Vienna interesting that sounds, times that sounds horrible or you can take the third action. And the third action is when you'll be able to prepare rooms in your hotel. So you'll have a little hotel board that is a grid that is five by four different levels, um, various different colors of the rooms based on the different colored guests that you can put into those rooms. And you can prepare them as in you can have them, they're all cleaned, they're ready to go for when your guests want to go in them once you've fulfilled their needs. So this action tells you how many different rooms you can do, depending on how many die are on that spot and the first two are the same depending on how many die that are there is how many you can do uh, the fourth action uh, for each dice on this action space you can advance one space on the emperor track or on the crone track the emperor Ooh. track I'll go on a bit later but the crones that is currency did you know Mark uh, yeah, you go. although yeah. are they it's on it's not like a witch track are they uh, on... Like an old crone. No, no, no. It's that is the name of the money back in the time. Are they on the euro now, Austria? Yep. Uh, are they still... I reckon cro they would be. Okay, well, there you go. They're not croning about anymore. They're no. on the euro. So you can get that stuff because as Mark discovered, getting the old money in this game... <laughs> it's a bit of a problem. Bit of a problem. Not the easiest thing in the world. You start on 10. You can only go up to 20. You think, oh, I'm halfway there. I'm screaming. I'm loving it. Yeah, not so much. And Leon, yeah, surely every hoity-toity person knows... You must have your coffee before your wine. It doesn't go the other way around. Once you start on the wine, you're not going back to coffee. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sorry that I didn't know that. I don't drink coffee. I drink the Irish part of the coffee, uh, just right. not the coffee itself. Right. I also don't think you drink wine, do you? No, I don't. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> seen you drink wine. And, and I've never seen and you, you eat never, strudel. Yeah, you've never seen me eat strudel. Um, Cake? I, I've, 
I tell you what, cake. though, you give me three dollars and you know a Woolworths close by, I'll show you the best mud cake you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> I can put that down. Uh, or so, uh, action five is you can play one of your staff. So you have a hand of cards uh, that is different than everybody else. They're all completely different, and they all start that way. And you can acquire more through as the game plays. You can hire different staff um, to play. You can only play one of them at a time. But something I haven't mentioned yet is that how many die are in these in these different sections is how powerful they are. And this fifth one, especially when you're hiring staff, say there are four dice there, that's the discount you're going to get when you play a staff card. So they mm. could go from being really hard to get out, because as we said, money's not easy, yeah. to being completely free. And when you take that action, you actually take one of the die off there and put it on a little board in front of you. Because the way the rounds work in this is that if you're, say, the first player on a round... Awesome, I go first. But what that also means in this round is that I'm going to go eighth as well because it'll go one, two, three, four clockwise as you do, mm. but then it goes anti-clockwise. So some person each round is going to have the fourth, then the fifth action. They're going to go right after each other, which is a very, very interesting. So but if also, you had... Sorry, Garth. That's yeah. okay. If you had five dice on the action spot and you took away a die, then yeah. you had four dice left. Yes, you would have all those die <laughs> now, I, I really like not talking about die or dice. No. Uh, but I do like how the turn sequence works. Yeah, in this it's game. very interesting. You know, it, a few games do it um, where the round is not just each person gets a turn. It's you know, multiple actions and you've got to do a thing and then you've got to wait to see what the game progression is like and what other people do and then you do another thing. Um, by going in sort of player order than reverse player order, it, it means that you can have a potential strategy for what you want to achieve on this particular round. But because of what the other players at the table are going to be doing and what die and or dice they're going to be taking off the board, which is going to affect how powerful the action is, which absolutely changes what your plans are. Yeah, especially if you're first and then you're going to be eighth. There is quite a bit of time in there, which is something I think we're probably going to talk about again once we get to the end of this. And then... You may be mentioning this right now, but we might as well, because I'm going to, yeah. is that you can choose to pass one of your actions. You can indeed. And that's where, essentially, if you're the first to pass, everyone can keep going, and if anyone else passes, they do so. But whoever is the person with the lowest turn order sequence who's passed, mm -hmm. they'll get to roll remaining dice and just basically give it another go yeah. to see if you can get more die or dice in the one of six actions that you yeah, want to Yeah, the do. corresponding spots that you were after in the first place. Except there is a sixth action guard. There is! Which, if you pay one of your crone slash euros, what you can do is however many dice are in the sixth spot is that that is the power of action you can do of any of the first five I just mentioned. Yeah, it's wild. Which mm. I think is a great idea mm -hmm. because, as you said, when you roll all those dice, then sometimes they'll go in the places you want sometimes they won't but to have that six there as a it almost feels like that when they first designed this game maybe that wasn't there straight off the bat and they went this is too brutal if you roll and there's like a whole round where no one can get say cake or strudel end of story unless people pass and wait till the end that's really going to affect a game like this so having that six action there i think's brilliant idea yeah if you want in a Game with dice, if you don't want to be too luck-based and too swingy, mm -hmm. you need some sort of luck mitigation mechanic. And it basically means quite often you can get two cracks at the cherry where people might take away some dice... 
from an action. And then if you're further down the turn order, all of a sudden that action is not very attractive. But obviously, if there are a number of sixes, then it becomes attractive again. Yeah, so on your turn, you do those things. But also, there's a number of different bonus actions that you can do as many times as you want on your turn, with the exception of this first one, which is where you can pay a crone, $1, to pretend like there is one extra die in any of those columns when you pull an action. So if they say, I definitely want two strudel and two cake, but there's only three dice there... I need another one. You can pay a dollar and pretend like there is one there, which is, again, is another brilliant thing that you can do. Yeah, it's a nice way to use some of your very limited resources because yeah. it can be the difference between getting that one extra resource that you need or being able to make another particular room ready, which you need a room of that colour in order to be able to fulfil the requirements of a guest and start getting them into your hotel. So for one dollar, it can make a massive difference. It is, though, because money is so tight in this game, it's often a very... Mm. Dilemmanic decision. It's a dilemma because it's like, well, I've only got $3. Am I willing to spend one of those $3 to give me one extra thing or not? And I I found I often went backwards and forwards in the same turn a number of times just because money was... This is where Leon says it's almost like some kind of... Game. Yes, but it is one of those things that quite early in the game, a lot of people will take that extra action because you think, why not? I want more, 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 more. But as you said, that money will start to drip down and down and down and down. What you can also do is if you pay yet another crone, all this money you're going to be paying all the time, you can move dishes slash drinks, so your resources, from your kitchen onto your guest cards. Because when you get these resources, you can put them straight onto your guests and you don't have to put them anywhere yet. You can start loading them up with the things that they need. But anything spare extra, you have to put in the kitchen. So later on in the game, you'll be paying money to get that stuff out of the kitchen, which can, again, start costing you quite a bit as the game goes on. But you can build up a lot of resources in there and make it, you know, for the stuff that you need. And Leon, did sorry, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but did you mention why... You're putting resources on to guests? So you can fulfill their needs to make them happy. So then they can go and get their either cake or drunk drunk, and they will go stay in your hotel. Yeah, so each each of those guests has a individual little yes. palette of things that they desire, one or more things, or sometimes, no, I don't think there's none. And then once you fill that need, yep. then you're able to put them into a room. Yes, exactly, which is coming up. Okay, right. okay. with your little knowing things okay. of the future. You can also place a wooden disc on a politics card. I have not mentioned wooden discs or politics cards at all, but they are just three things that every single game of this you will play, that there are three different things that you can try and achieve throughout the game to give you quite a big chunk of those victory points. They could be things like the first person to have 20 crones in their safe, which is not easy to do. No. The first person to have, say, two rows of their hotels completely filled, things like that and there are various different ones of these in the box so every game you can play you can randomize them they will be slightly different yeah, it just gives you something to aim for yeah and, and that's good but you are it's one of those things if you're the first person to achieve it you mm. get 15 points yep. and then second person gets 10 and third gets five so it just gives you that little bit of direction because otherwise it is basically i've got these six actions i've got to do i know i've got to do a bit of every every one of them yeah so where do i start yeah. One of the other things you can do is with the staff cards that you've played, some of them are instant benefits, some of them are end-of-game scoring. Other ones, they're the equivalent uh, in a lot of games that like you can tap it so you can use it once per round. You can do that on your turn as well. And then finally, 
as Mr. Mark put it, any of your guests that have been for completely fulfilled of all their needs, you can put into the open hotel rooms that you have. And you'll also get bonuses compared if you've got certain sections of those filled up as well. So you don't have to, if you fulfilled something, put it in a room straight away, especially because you might not have it prepared. You can make all three of them there ready to go and then bang, 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 put them all in at once. So it depends on how you want to do it. But if you've got a full cafe, you can't get any more people from the row. You have to wait. So it's a very much a game of when do I do it, when do I not type of thing. And then you'll do this for seven rounds. And on the three five and seventh round at the end of them the emperor is going to visit all our cafes can you believe it the emperor is coming down wow yeah and much like any good uh, rental inspection you'll make the place spotless (laughs) and it'll be the best you can possibly can so that's what that emperor track is throughout the game you'll be trying to push up and up and up and uh, so he'll come along and if he sees it he'll go wow that's amazing and he'll give you some victory points and then as soon as he leaves the place just goes to hell and there's rubbish everywhere and you'll lose some points on that victory on the emperor track and if you do that you either, depending on where you end up on that Emperor track, you'll either get a reward, you'll get nothing, or you'll get a negative thing happen to you. So it's another thing in the back of your mind that you've always got to have this prepared as you go through it, which I think is a beautiful... I hate this track. Yep. Hate. Hate the track, hate the Emperor. (laughs) Never been a fan of royalty. It reminded me in some ways... um, Have you gents played Notre Dame, the grand old Euro? No, no, I haven't actually. Yeah, you probably should because it's good. But um, in that, there's a there's a rat track because you, you're doing a whole bunch of other things, but there's a rat track of how much you're keeping because, of course, the rats are spreading the plague in old Notre Dame and Paris. And there's a rat track and you're moving the rats up and down and it's like a whole separate track and you tend to, like, use it up. And it, I don't know why, it just made, made me think of that, that where it's like it's just a whole other thing going on that you have to be thinking about. But it's almost, it's not the main game. It's its almost another completely different game. And sorry, say the game again. Notre Dame. You should have mentioned this last episode. What was that? Do you know what number ranking <gasps> is 334? It's number 334 on the wow, board game. Wow, this is crazy. Anyway, so once this game ends, as they inevitably do, uh, you will then count up the victory points. You will count up uh, victory points from the staff cards that you have. will give you end-of-game victory points. The hotel rooms that you've filled, you'll get victory points depending on what floor they're on. The higher-up ones in your VIP suites will give you more. You will get one victory point for every single crone and or resource you've got in the game, which is a lovely touch. A lot of these games would be like, a gold worth anything at the end? No. But then some of them will do the, oh, for every 10 gold, it's one victory point. In this, it's one-to-one on everything. So if you get to the end of it and you go, oh, I'm really not doing too well here, but I've got a heap of this stuff left because I couldn't really figure out what to do with it, you're getting something out of it, Mm. which any game that's like that, I like that you just don't get nothing at the end of it. Always good. However, there are some negative points that can happen because for the first time in this game, that if you have any guests left... Not in a room, still in your cafe at the end of the working week. <laughs> but, but I don't want to go. Yes, go. you will lose one. five victory points for them not being in a room. That sucks. So you add all that up, and Leon will win. And that is the game of Grand Austria Hotel. Yes. Herr Winterman, we have a room prepared for you. It's such a beautiful room. You're sure you wouldn't like to leave the table? Yes. I'll so. tell you what, once I've had lots of cake and lots of strudel and lots of coffee and substantial amounts of wine, I'll lie down yes. anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't have to be a grand Well, hotel. the Viennese streets are probably very nice, so you could probably just lay down. Well, I, think, from... I think Vienna got most livable city again. It did. Yeah. So, um, look, this game is excellent. Yes. And uh, it is a game that you sit down and you look at it and you go, yep, I've seen all of this stuff before. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it, it's you know, it's showing a little bit of age again because it, it, it looks like a Euro. You know, the art is very, very similar yeah. to countless other Euro, Euro games there. Um, but just from the get-go, that slight breath of fresh air with the, the dice rolling and, and then choosing the actions just means that you can go into it with your particular strategy and after the first turn, know that you've got to change that. You can't go in there just going, I'm going to do this and yeah. this and this and this, which will give me that. Because if the dice aren't your friend that day, you're not going to be able to do those actions with any form of efficiency. And this is all about how you can maximise return on your investment with going for the, the actions that give you maximum benefit to, to get all the strudel on all the cake or set up all the rooms or do all these things. You do not want to be doing actions probably with even two or three dice still in there. You want to be trying to get ones where there's four, five, six dice on there. And sometimes that's just never going to happen. Yeah. And um, like you said, Leon, with the passing, when you first explained how the passing works... My first reaction was, why would you ever do that? You know, like that seemed like a waste. You've got to go all the way to the end. But then quite a number of times during the game, it's sort oh, of, yeah. it, was, it was down to four or five dice left and they would be one, 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 one on the board. And it's like, well, it's worth a crack to even get one of them to two or one of them to three because, hey, I've got no money. I can't afford to pay that extra dollar <laughs> to add an extra one. Or if I can get an extra die and then pay an extra dollar, i got two extra ones yeah and like i think any good euro game when i first started playing this after the teach um when i first played it at BorderCon, straight away i understood everything there might have been one or two things along the way like oh that's right that's how that works you might have forgot it but there was nothing i was ever confused about at any point the only time you could ever go i don't really know what this means is probably things on like the staff cards or maybe some of the more um the guest cards that have more interesting looking rewards on them Every single one of those is in an appendix in the rule book. Yeah, Every single one of them. Mm -hmm. So you can just go, oh, I'm not quite sure what this card in my hand does. You pass it to him, you read it, and you go, oh, yeah, of course, that's what it does. No issue whatsoever. Because all the rest of it, the symbology is simple as. It is not complicated in the slightest. Yeah, and it, it cannot be overstated how important the staff are. Yeah. Uh, particularly when it comes to the end game multipliers and bonuses again, which I certainly failed to do at the last the last game that we played where, you know, you've said that there are some staff that you can do once per round, something you can do every single action. Yeah. Um, some that are ones off, but there are ones that are going to be, you do this kind of thing for your hotel and they're going to score you multiple points at the end. And that can be the difference. Mm. So you can't sort of just put it to the side and go, oh, I'll do that later. I'll do that later. I'll do that later. Because it's, again, like all good Euro games, particularly, you're never going to have enough turns. You're I, never going to be able to do what you need to. Yeah, I, I, I think I've lost count of how many people I've spoken to, not just recently, uh, for the last while, that mention this as one of their favourite games. I think in the same breath, a lot of people as uh, Lorenzo, in that it's that midway Euro, you probably smash it out in two hours or under once you know what you're doing. It's not difficult it's quite elegant. It's something a little bit different that you don't see every day. But it, it, as you said, it, look, it's not it's not that attractive. But for us Euro gamers who are used to that sort of look, um, it's perfectly fine, and it just is great to play. But I 
I do have something I want to bring up once yes. you finish, Leon. Yes. But I just wanted to mention, this is a game that even if you say I hadn't played it in a few years, I think you will always remember that, oh, it wasn't that hard to teach. Or it wasn't that hard to pick up, which means you will get it back to the table more often than not. Now, before Mark has something horrible and negative to say, mm-hmm. I'm going to put a bit of positivity in here for once. <laughs> all you boys slagging off everything. Uh, yes, yeah, so at the start of the year, in terms of my Euro midweight slash heavy Euro collection, it was a bit, it was a bit small. <laughs> I had Concordia. In my one cube in my Calax, I, I reserve for my heavy slash mid Euro games. Yep. I also had La Havre. La Havre went away only because it was replaced with Anno 1800, <laughs> which is a very, they're similarish styles of game, but I'm always going to play Anno over it. And then recently, a couple of weeks ago, we played Carnegie. And then I bought Carnegie because <laughs> Carnegie was really good. So that was the third game. And now I'm happy to say the game right at the top of the top. On that Kallax shelf, all four of them sit quite nicely there. Maybe we could fit another fifth one in there, possibly, <laughs> is Grand Austria Hotel. So in that one Kallax cube, I've got four belters. Three of them have come from this year yeah. that I've played for the first time, and I am more than happy about it. I love this game. And also, I need to mention that there is an expansion for this that has just come to Kickstarter back. It's not that long ago called Let's Waltz, which adds a whole bunch of different um, modules and stuff that you can add to the game. Mm. Haven't had the pleasure of playing that yet, but if I get my hands on that and the collection, collector's edition of the base game i absolutely will well what's in the collector's edition that's extra uh, like real strudel no just the, the the components are a slightly better like your strudels and your wines and your cake actually look like what they are as opposed to just colored cubes in the base edition real people come and knock on your door yes not quite <laughs> but... i was just thinking they could use some of those like rubber dog turds because they look a bit strudely sometimes no, no. <laughs> so mark go on can put say some horrible yes. and evil it's, yes. the, it's, the, it's the do with the downtime between turns isn't it so... I can hear you saying it a mile away. He shouldn't be the one saying no. That look, I I had one long turn, and it was because oh that right, I forgot it was that. the turn. It wasn't one I, long turn. It was two long turns. Where I was fourth and had the fourth and the fifth turn, so I had to do two things in a row, and I had to think about well, I've got to plan out the first lot of things before I can do the second lot of things. But it's actually the opposite point that I that I don't like, and it is when you're first, and then when you're eighth, or even when you're second, and then you're seventh. There feels like a really long time between you're doing anything. And I get it depends on who you're playing with. And, you know, if they have analysis paralysis or it's the first time they, they're playing the game and they've run out of money and they're really struggling with what to do. Or if it's both. I don't know. I don't know that going one, two, three, four, and then five, six, seven, eight, back the other way. I don't know that it adds more than it detracts this is my personal opinion. Yeah, fair point. And I think if it went went round one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, around the table like that, I just feel you take away for that really that really really long gap, particularly between one and eight. That that's all. I mean, look, I really liked it. Um, that's just, and I have heard some other people say that about the downtime, and they weren't playing with me. Um, so it's certainly something that's been mentioned. I can guarantee that when the game was first designed, it probably was that way. So I've got to imagine that's to do with a balance that they've yeah. done it this way. Um, I personally don't mind for a few different... A, because any time a game is so good and so much positives, the more that there is of that, the less it bothers me about downtime. Yeah. But as I also said, that is one of those games that, yes, you might want to end up passing and re-rolling all the dice there, but it doesn't bother me because... I know some things are going to change before I get to my next turn, but I also know that there's always going to be something I can do. I'm never going to look at it and go, I absolutely want to do absolutely none of that yeah. because there's always the chance I could pass and have another crack. Or most of the time I'll go, no, there is one of those actions that I do want to do. So it 
doesn't necessarily bother me. However, I can see that as an issue some people may have. Okay. Yeah, and it's also, I guess, on that note, that the benefit of going first is not massive. You're getting one extra die, yeah. potentially. Yeah. So your your action will be one strength more yeah. than, than second. So, yeah, yeah look, there, there's not a massive benefit of going first, I've, I've found, in this particular game. But I think it's a cracker. I yeah. think, Leon, you should go out there and buy the collector's edition mm. and I'll certainly play it with you. If I can find it, I shall. There you go. Well, that was Grand Austria Hotel. Now, we will be back very shortly to talk about another little game. But in the meantime, you're with Edge Radio 99.3 FM. We're the Dice Men Cometh and we'll be back shortly. Hello, dear listener. My name is David, and I'm one of the official friends of the Dicemen. And I won't explain to you in less than 90 seconds why you should also join the Dicemen Patreon Party. For the monthly costs of less than two packs of low-quality card sleeves, you will not only support three blokes with a passion for board gaming and podcasting, you will also get access to the wonderfully entertaining Secret Podcasts. With your support, they can continue to develop and grow the show, pay for all those podcasting hosting expenses, attend a few more conventions, and maybe even replace the tin cans and strings they currently use as recording equipment. And being an official friend of the Diceman also comes with benefits. Sure, they will not be donating their kidneys to you, but there is an online community, prize draws, and more importantly, access to the secret podcast stream. The Secret Podcast will provide you with more Diceman content that is not bound by public broadcasting standards or time. In fact, the most recent one was longer than my last game of Ark Nova. That's right, the Secret Podcast is sometimes presented in an earthy vernacular of fruity verbosity that would even make a worker placement builder blush. But they are always entertaining, and it's probably their best work. So sign up to a Patreon account and support the Diceman. Okay, Diceman. Can you please now let my family go? That was Public Noise with Blitzkrieg. Thank you very much for that, Mark. <laughs> On Edge Radio 99.3 FM with the Diceman cover. And it's so funny that you played that after all the thousands of songs on there because we were about to talk about a game called Blitzkrieg. Did you realise that? Fancy that. That is crazy talk. Anyway, this game of Blitzkrieg was actually brought to you by our good friends at LFG Australia. They sent it to us a little while ago. I actually own a copy of it. Even before then, we didn't have a chance to talk to it. They sent us another one so you boys could play it because you guys aren't allowed to play my games. That's right. Because you have gross hands and look at you. Um, but yes, it was a game that I bought and I still own. So there's my opinion of it out of the window already. But Garth, <laughs> yes. Blitzkrieg, brought to you by our Charles and our good friends at LFG Let's Australia. Let's That's right. Blitzkrieg! Pop. So Blitzkrieg is a two-player game where you will be playing as either the Allies or the Axis during World War II. You will battle for control of the main theatres of the conflict in a challenging game mm. with simple rules, a short playing time, and many tough decisions. Now, when the game is called Blitzkrieg! World War II in 20 minutes, how long do you think this game goes for, Leon? 
based off dice man tax, I reckon you're looking between 30 and 35. Well, it does say even on BGG, 20 to 45 minutes. <laughs> I was, was going to say 39 to 45. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> it's the World War II humour. That's right. Yeah, I get it. Uh, so anyway, in Blitzkrieg, it's a two-player it like? game. What was it like, Mark? What was it, <laughs> what was it like? Lots of bombs, Leon. Lots yeah. of bombs. Okay. When you were in Dad's army. <laughs> <laughs> Too old to go over and fight in the real one. <laughs> Anywho. Anywho. Four games. <laughs> so look, in this game, two players are basically going to sit against each other. You know, There's going to be a table in the middle. They're going to set out this little tiny board, and the board will represent the five theatres of war. You'll have Western Europe. You'll have Eastern Europe. Africa, the Middle East, Pacific Ocean, and Southeast Asia. Each player is going to have a little tiny sort of sheet of paper, their, their, little, their little war enclave where no one knows what's going on behind there, mm. and they will also have a bag of tokens. The tokens will be in the bag, and they'll be tanks, they'll be planes, they'll be boats, there'll be a couple of admirals and generals ships, thrown Garth, in there. Ships, Boats. Ships. Nah. Godzilla. There, there will be Godzilla in there, surprisingly. Uh, and on your turn, you are going to select one of the tiles because you will have drawn some from a bag. You will have had them hidden behind you, your little um, sort of enclave of power and knowledge and strategy. And then you'll place them into one of the theatres of war. Now, each of these theatres of war has a couple of battle fronts or a couple of battles going on. What that means is there's a line where you can put some, some of your chits and that's it. Um, but it's thematic, and you can only ever go in the topmost open battle. So it's sort of like you're having this battle, then you're going to go to the next battle, and then you're going to go to the next one, and that is going to resolve that particular conflict, that that you know, particular Western We Europe. can't have multiple battles going at the same time. That would be unrealistic. Uh. E exactly. <laughs> so you're going to choose what tile you want to play. There are certain rules in that, you know, land-based tiles, tanks and what have you can only go on the right-coloured tokens. Same things for... Uh, boats. Ships. Uh, planes, however, are very versatile because planes can take off on the land or they can take off on the sea because there are um, there are these big boats called aircraft boat carriers yep. and, uh, and they can take <laughs> off there. When you place the token, depending on what kind of square you put it on, you will get an immediate benefit. Benefit may be increasing your victory points in that particular battlefront may give you access to taking out some more chits from your bag, which gives you more options. Uh, you may get some other bonuses. You may get to bomb the enemy into oblivion, which basically means you are going to have to discard a chit from behind your, your little secret stash. Um, this game claims to capture the, the excitement, the enthusiasm, the tension of, of World War II in 20 minutes. And it actually does a pretty good job. Yeah. For what is a really, really simple mechanical game where you are sitting across from the table, you've got limited bits of information, and for yourself, you've got really limited options. You you typically only have two or three chits in front of you that you're going to be able to choose from. And if your opponent bombs you, you may go down to one. And that doesn't give you very many options because... There's these five battlefields that you're you're trying to sort of compete with, and it's this push and pull of oh, Leon's just taken a, a, a tank and gone into that battlefield, and now he's really ahead. So I need to try and go and put put my chit there to prevent him from running away with this particular battle. But it's not actually what I want to do because this chit is more designed to go over to that battlefield because there's a bonus that I want to try and cover up. You might only have boats. You might only have boats. Yes, boats, 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 boats. <laughs> they're called theatres. They're different theatres of war, Garth. No, they're called boats. 
No, no, you're talking about battle fronts. Yes. So the five areas would be called the five. They are the. What are those? The fl- what are those flying boats called? Oh, they're aero aero boats. Aero boats. Yes. Yeah. So look, this game, which retails for not much money at yeah, all, nah. is so simple to learn. It is so quick to play. Uh, even the rule book says refight the whole of World War Two several times in one evening. Yep. Now, if your evening consists of multiples of twenty minutes, you can do that. Mm. Um, but it is a very enjoyable and not too taxing way to have a little two-player skirmish game. Um, you know, there are little versions of, of other games, 13 Minutes in Cuba yep. or whatever that one's yeah, no, called. Cuban Missile Crisis. Cuban Missile Crisis. You know, that, that is a very short version of, you know, essentially a Twilight Struggle yep. type of game. This is just a really simple game where I had a lot of fun with this. If you compare it to your classical, like, chit war game that usually goes for hours and hours and hours, it does have the little chits there. It certainly has a very, very simple rule set. I was quite surprised to find out that this is the number 77th ranked War game on Board Game Geek. Now, there's a lot of war games. There is. Now, maybe your war game grognard aficionados might argue that this isn't a war game. It's more an abstract game where the theme is about a war. But I must admit, I, not having been at World War II personally, Leon, you'd be surprised to know, I actually uh, did have a little bit of fun with this one. And it is certainly a good way to fill 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah, it is one of those things that, like, I've got Memoir 44 and I've got Undaunted in my collection. Two awesome World War II two-player exclusive games. But those games, even though they're not difficult, they still will take you between half an hour, hour, a bit longer, especially if you're teaching someone for the first time. This isn't lying when it says it takes 20 minutes. Yeah. It might take a five-minute teach, and then after that, it does play in 20 minutes. It's yeah. not. And there's a reason why um, before... Now, luckily, this is in wide distribution everywhere, and that's why Charles sent it to us, um, which is awesome, because I actually got my hand on it a few months earlier because uh, Tom Vassell from the Dice Tower was huge on this game when it first came out because you said, in terms of two-player games, this is the one I will teach every time, you know, when it first came out about two years ago. Yeah. But you could not find a copy for love nor money mm. anywhere. And then obviously the last few years, the world's had a few issues, shall we say. Yes. But now it's back in air everywhere. And if somebody wants to play a game, you know, a two-player game with somebody that has a bit of conflict to it, like this is the perfect, you know, um, father and young son on a Sunday, you want to play a game for half an hour, bang, yep. exactly. here it is. And yeah, it's it's an absolute builder. Exactly right. It's one of those ones where you play to win, but you don't get so annoyed if you lose because it's so quick and it's played so, again. So so easy. Um, you know, I think it is definitely a game that you know really benefited from the the vassal effect, but also the shut up and yeah. sit down effect. It also doesn't hurt that it's designed by Paolo Mori, who has designed some games himself. You know, he's designed Ethnos. I don't like it, yes. but lots of people do. Yeah. Pandemic Fall of Rome, obviously that's a, a, an IP that a lot of people love. Libertalia is probably you know one of the games that is, is most popular, especially now with the, the recent reprint. So um, you know, also Dogs of War, which has a very loyal following, but you just can't find it anywhere. Mm. So look, this, this guy knows again how to design games, and he's designed a newer one around the same sort of method called Caesar. Um, similar kind of mechanics. Mm-hmm. Uh, two-player battle, um, you know, uses some slightly different um, strategies involved in that. But yeah, I think I think you can do a lot worse than just picking this one up at your, your local game. And store. we weren't joking when we said that Godzilla's in it because there is actually um, the Nippon expansion, which adds a few extra things for the uh, an Asian force, which I believe is now just standard in every version of this mm. game, which is awesome. And also. 
wouldn't it be cool, Garth, if you could go from like you know you know state to state or city to city in like America and fight wars and stuff? Do you think that's a thing that could yeah, be done? Yeah, so it utilizes double-sided board technology. <laughs> so one side is where you've got your typical World War Two theaters, mm. Mark, yes. where you can send your tanks and your boats. Your boats and, and boats. then on the other side, you've got this fantastical version where essentially you are playing on continental USA. And the sides are starting at one of four predetermined cities and you basically battle until you get to a resolution. So you're going city by city. So rather than competing in five battlegrounds or theatres, uh, you are doing one after the other after the other um, using those tanks and planes. And uh, uh, I think you'll find they're called land boats oh, and air boats and boat boats and lizard boats. <laughs> Well, how else does Godzilla get around? Exactly. So that's Blitzkrieg, a good game. You know, Mark? Yes. Yes, it is. And you're look, in the Navy, weren't you, Mark? We should mention, <laughs> if you Boats. did want to pick one up, lfg-oz.com.au. Yeah. That's right. Damn right. I do not believe they sell boats, though. No, they do not. They may have some ships. But in the meantime, we are on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. We'll be back shortly to talk more games. Hello, I'm Colby Dowk, studio manager at Plat Hat Games, and you're listening to The Dice Men Cometh. Well, there you go. That is Subculture with The Wayside. You're with The Dice Men Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. It is time for some Dice Men news. Wow, we haven't done that for a while. We haven't, that's why. I was <laughs> feeling a little bit of the anguish there. So, Mark, what kind of Dicemen news have you got for us? Well, the Dicemen news tonight is about the winners of the most prestigious board game prizes in the world. Woo. And that would be still the Spiel des Jahres and the Kennerspiel des Jahres, the German Game Award and the German so-called gamers game. Um, which we have discussed. And we discussed all the games that were nominated recently. So in the Spiel des Jahres, the nominees were Scout, Top 10 and Cascadia. Um, Garth, what did you think would win? Definitely Scout won. No. Leon, what did you think would win? I probably said Cascadia, I reckon. No, you did not. You said Top 10. I was the only one who said Cascadia. I was the only one who picked the winner of the Spiel des Jahres 2022. Now, let me read you briefly what the uh, the jury said, why they thought this game should win. Bollocks, bollocks, should bollocks, I mention bollocks. Cascadia is designed by Randy Flynn? It's his first game. There you go. This guy won the first time out. That's pretty good. Cascadia is a real feel-good game. You can always achieve something on your turn, even if the choices on offer aren't exactly what you wanted. The two-part puzzle is especially successful, requiring players to find a good balance between matching landscape tiles and playing the right animal symbols. The modular rule cards give the game a high level of replayability, presenting players with new challenges every time, as well as an optional campaign mode. I didn't know about that. So there you go. That's why the jury voted for Cascadia. Yeah, but anything can sound good if you just talk positively about it. (laughs) Yeah. Good point. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if it's a real feel-good game. I didn't feel particularly good after playing it. I was like, I've played this game before. I've like, it's not new. Look, but just, anyway. Just for me, 
shelf presence alone. See all those boxes with those Spiel des Jahres symbols on there. It's going to look beautiful on the shelf with lovely colours and pictures and everything. That's why I picked it. Anyway, I was right. You were wrong. The Kennerspiel, however... Mm. The Kennerspiel nominees were Cryptid, Dune Imperium and Living Forest. All three of us agreed that Living Forest would win. And you know what? It did. Do you know what else? Aske Christensen, it's his first game. There we go. Two first-time winners. A bit more impressive, this one, for that a first That is game, amazing. What did the jury say? There are three key factors to the thrill and attraction of Living Forest. The exciting race to 12 points, the risky gamble of when to stop revealing cards, and the high level of interaction... Meet your opponents. The three different victory conditions are especially motivating, ensuring a high level of replayability, there's that word again, and a different dynamic to each new game. It also doesn't suck. Yeah. And that's really, really good. It is, it is, for a gamer's game, it is not. No. It is, it is an entry-level, lightweight kind of game. Probably should have won the Spiel Jaris, to be honest with you. Probably should have. Yeah. However... Uh, in terms of the actual spiel, yeah, Cascadia was the heaviest of the nominees. Yeah, yeah, there. and I mean, I feel like you know that they did move up the scale a little bit, whereas at least it's an actual game, not just a deck of cards or something. Well, I think Scout should have won the spiel because a deck of cards with that that symbol on there is going to be going off the shelves just every time any any German family goes and buys. I don't know yeah. something. Bread and um, but look, a board game. Cascadia looks glorious. Yep. Um, people will play it one time; they'll sell it. That's yeah. Right. yeah. Um, it's look, a, just to briefly mention, uh, Magic Mountain or Zalberberg. He's not the guy who runs Facebook. That's the name of the game that won the uh, the Kinderspiel. We yep. don't know anything about it, so we should just shut up, really. But the winner normally gets an English translation and gets sent out. Yeah. There. So it might be a game that we talk about sometime in the next year or so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still very keen to try top ten. You know, it's the only game out yeah. of the, the Spiel and Kennerspiel games that I've not played. So there is still, as far as I know, no English version available. It sounds very simple, but there is no point, as far as I can see, buying a foreign language version because it is highly language dependent. And did yes. I see that there's a new version of Cryptid coming as well, or is it just it's, an expansion? No, there is a new version of Cryptid. It is, however, a two-player variant, uh, which is why I looked at it and went, oh, a new Cryptid, I'll buy that and see which one of the two I like. Oh, it's a two-player version? That doesn't exist. Well, right. that's, you've got Blitzkrieg. I so. do indeed. Anyway, not surprisingly, we've run out of time here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Weird that I spend cometh. You've been listening to us talk about board games. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back again soon, but in the meantime, play more games and have a great time doing it. Bye. Bye. See ya. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.